One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to It's Your Funeral, the podcast where we interview guests about the most important day of their afterlives. As ever, I'm here with Instagram's most cancelled influencer, Sam Hammond, aka Vom Cruz. How are you, Sam? Very well, thank you. Sat in a beautiful English country garden. This is our first garden podcast, isn't it? I think so, yeah. It's a beautiful... I just saw a squirrel run into a garage. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot it. I'm sure you must be tempted. I'm a vegan, mate. You, you can eat them. <laughs> that's that's true. And the dulcet tones of our guest today, uh, author and screenwriter John Niven. How are you, John? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, the squirrels, there's a lot of squirrels in this garden. But my mate in Scotland said, yeah, you should shoot them, you can eat them. Um, he goes, but you need a bit six of them to make a ragu for like two people. I'm like, mate, I'm... Yeah, Squirrel ragu. ragu. I'm a delicacy just, where? You could eat shite. a dog shit if you wanted to, but <laughs> you, know, you don't have to. Sort of shite you see Jamie and his mate knocking up for weekend, isn't it? I'm like, skinning alive six squirrels to make pasta for two people. It just, you know, <laughs> it seems to. I mean, I, I like meat, but no. Sorry, I mean, vegan nation here. No, it's fine. No, I'm not offended by that. I mean... But I'd, I'd imagine that squirrels are quite disease ridden. Maybe not these posh Bucking, Buckinghamshire squirrels, but you know. What are you saying about my squirrels, mate? <laughs> we are in. Uh, we're going to be junky squirrels, are they? <laughs> we're in High Wycombe in John Niven's lovely uh, garden. Thank you so much for having us. How has your last weird year been? Uh, well, f- weirdly enough, not that weird. I mean, uh, it's not that much. I mean, I get up in the morning, I pad into the study, I tap away, and, uh, you know, it's like... And a kind of weird Larry David way, I've kind of liked it. Yeah. Like, you get to turn out, you know, get to go to anything you don't want, and nobody's going to anything, you know? And it's just this past week, as you know, we're getting towards the end of lockdown as we're recording this, and I, I've just looked at my diary, and there's a few things like lunch, dinner, this, that, starting to appear. Us cunts knocking on your door. Yeah. yeah, That I don't mind, I don't have to go anywhere, you guys were kind enough to come here. But you start looking and you think, oh, fuck, I've got to go to that, and do I really want to do that? And, yeah. you know, it's quite good, but it's just nobody's doing anything, you know. It's and hasn't like, affected your creativity at all? Nah, not really, no. You had a book out just as the first lockdown hit, didn't I, it you? literally came out the week, uh, the first lockdown hit, yeah. yeah. It was, um, yeah, that's the whole other Did you miss out on doing a book tour then? Nah, some weird stuff happened though because we had to, yeah, book tour wasn't going to happen but we had to, oh, it was all just like, you know, now now what people quite like is if you offer them sign books yeah, via Twitter and stuff like that and then I couldn't, the, the, the lockdown came the day I was meant to get into like a rough trades warehouse to sign these 500 books mm. so then you had to get inserts sent out to you and then sign them and stick it anyway, just a whole palaver. Yeah. But, um, so have done what they did with the uh, Captain Tom one. I thought they, they got busted with this. There was a, they were doing signed. I mean, look, I'm not disrespecting Captain Tom what he did for with once. <laughs> I might be about to. Well, you know, I'm waiting for the war crime stories from Burma to come out. But, you know, As we all are. Yeah, but um, his family were obviously milking this for everything they fucking can, right? They released this book the other day, and there were signed Captain Tom books. Everyone, everyone's like, you know, get these. There were loads of money. 
and then someone complained because um, they were quite obviously like printed this on. This is with a clearly stamp. not the signature of a hundred-year-old man. Yeah. Well, they were printed on, and they're all exactly the fucking same. And these people were paying like, uh, you know, paying a lot of money to get this official signed thing from the dead guy, and then it weren't, it wasn't him. It was printed on. Yeah, you're paying top dollar. You want at least a person. I mean, I offer a personal message. I don't know what Captain yeah. Tom's giving you there. I could, you know. I like the idea that Sam thinks that all signed things are actually signed by the people who they claim to have been signed by. Surely that's that's an industry of fakery. Surely. <laughs> who signs yours, John? <laughs> well, if you guys hang around yeah. for a bit, I, say, I need a job. Yeah. <laughs> Little, uh, we go out your back, and there's like a yeah. A load, of, a load of youngsters in a garage somewhere. Well, you know, thankfully for me, I mean, I guess if you're some, I don't know, um, you know, J.K. JK Rowling, Rowling you know, yeah. whoever, you know, you get like 5,000 to sign, it must be, you know. You could do that thing Ringo did. Did you see what he did? No. A few years ago. Oh, yeah. The video, yeah, he put a video up and he's like, from November the 1st, no more signings. Don't send me anything. It'll get chucked. It'll get chucked. He's like, no more. Okay, no more. And then he, and then he, and then he goes, peace and love, peace and love. <laughs> Fucking leave, leave me alone, fuck off. Peace and love. But it was like that, it was like that Simpsons episode, wasn't it, where he's uh, with Marge in the painting. Right. Marge has done a painting of Ringo back at the height of Beatlemania and sent it to him and it cuts to him finally answering her letter in 1995 or whatever it is. Right. It like 30 years later, he's, he's just catching up in the fan mail. He's getting it all done. It makes me think, how did Ringo doing Thomas the Tank Engine come about? Was it his idea? It can't have been his idea. Like, how did they book him to do the voiceover? Well, he's a brief career as an actor, didn't he? Did sort he? Like 70s, yeah. He, was yeah. In the, he was in a few things. He's just bored um, with nothing to do, isn't he, probably? Yeah. They were all, like, retired with, at 27 with, like, 100 million in the bank. And massive um, coke-smacking mouse habits to support at that yeah. point. Yeah, he was bang on. He was on the, he was on the, he was an early adopter of Freebase, wasn't he? Was it? Yeah, he's a big freebase. I think John Belushi's book he talks about going to some A-frame house in the Hollywood Hills, and he walks in and it's Ringo Starr and Ronnie Wood on the pipe. Oh and no! Way. Oh, yeah, so that'd be a bit. So, Still at it? I think he got. I think he got sober in the late eighties. Maybe like, what these fucks? But yeah, he was. You know. He looks pretty good for it. Well, basics, you know, yeah, you're probably doing pretty. You're probably doing good gear. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you'd like Ringo, to think. You so. like to think you've been in the Beatles. Somebody's sorting out some proper racket. Yeah, yeah you, you want the best stuff. Not getting it off us. <laughs> Did you see that video a few years ago when it was Liverpool Capital of Culture, and they invited Ringo back to like do a speech off the on the where the liver birds are, and he <laughs> they go Ringo, you're home, you're back here. How, what do you want to say? And he's like, hello everyone. And then they said, uh, would you ever move back to Liverpool? And he's like, no. <laughs> He's like, I live in LA. It's amazing. It's you know, like shit here. Everyone started booing. You know what? That Hollywood's pretty good, but what I really need to be doing is getting back to Sifton Park. That's yeah. what He's just like, absolutely not. No, fucking rubbish. No offense to any of our uh, no Liverpoolian audience we're, there, who we're, I know wouldn't take all... that wouldn't take that personally in any way. Unless yeah. you're Liverpool fans, you my, my family are all Scousers, and I know they they're very loyal to. Uh, I love Liverpool. There's some good, nice areas there. It's like really good people. I used to work there but it's just funny how he uh, he was just like just so rude he just doesn't give a fuck really good um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, as you say kinda, there are people that are kind of partial to enjoying their hometown shall we say they, cer- they certainly haven't <laughs> forgiven Boris Johnson for whatever he wrote he wrote something in one of his articles 20 years ago and they don't oh yeah you, can, you gotta love the scousers for that I mean you, yeah. Can't, yeah. you can't buy the sun no, no, can't no, you? it's just no, like that we're done yeah exactly uh, so John I'm going to ask a question that we always ask our guests to do with this being about your fantasy funeral what is your funeral experience uh, you mean in terms of 
funerals that I've enjoyed. You can take it any way you want. It's a purposely vague question. You mean what would my funeral be like? Is that... No, I guess it's just more like getting a... Before we go into yours particularly, like what's your... Uh, yeah, more like what you said at first. What's your experience of having been to funerals? How do you feel about them? What's your attitude towards funerals in general? Uh, well, it's difficult. Obviously, I'm of an age now. I'm in my early, early 50s where you've lost a few, a few people close to you. Um... But at the same time, anything involving kind of being in a church or a crematorium, I'm immediately humble shitless before we begin. Yeah. It's just such a powerfully, you know, I don't mm. know how you guys' background was, but I was, I didn't go to particular, have a particularly religious upbringing. No. But you'd have to go to church a few times, like, you know, Easter, Christmas, you'd have to go with a school. Yeah. And uh, the sight of sort of stained glass windows and pews and that, to this day, I j- it just, you literally tearful boredom. It is boring. I, I, I walk in there, so, you know. I remember being like seven and saying to because my family weren't religious at all. My dad would said it's bollocks, but I had to go, I grew up in a village in the middle of nowhere and I had to go to a Church of England primary school. So everyone was talking about God all the time at school and like, you know, teachers drilling it into us. And I said to my dad, I want to go to church because all these kids were going to church. So my dad was like, you, you want to go? Yeah, I was like seven. And I, was like, I didn't know what it was. Right? I, just, I just heard these kids saying it was fun, like Sunday school. Whatever. I was like, Dad, I want to go. And he's like, all right, I'll take you on Sunday. So my da- I was like, all right. So I got up early on Sunday with my dad and I went there. And after about half an hour, I was like, can we go? What, he stayed in there with you? And they took me there and sat in there because he, he knew what was going to happen. Yeah. I was like a hyperactive child. And he was just like, I was like, can we go? And he's like, yes, we can. <laughs> Sorry to the pub. Aversion, aversion therapy. Yeah, it was. He, he, he was very smart to do that, and I was like, never want to go there again. Yeah, maybe if he'd forbidden it from me, if he said, no, you can mm. never go to this place, you'd have, been, you'd, you'd have been really religious, right? Yeah. You'd have yeah. been like, the forbidden, the forbidden, the forbidden fruit, fruit must be fruit tasted. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Do you think even the people who not only go to church, but kind of judge people who don't go to church, find it boring too, but just can't admit it? Probably. I, don't know. I mean, some you got to figure some of them are into it. Um, I don't know. I guess if, if it's a really glib thing to say, I guess if you believe it's sort of fun, must but, be. Yeah, I mean, must be fun to believe. If you believe that you can do pretty bad stuff, and then you can just say, ask for forgiveness, and then it, you will be forgiven. And then when you die, it's, you're going to go somewhere great. I'm going to do it anyway. I mean, come on, what's the downside? You know, deathbed conversion, it's got to be a winner. Yeah, yeah. It's real, you know, it's, it's, all, it's all going to be good. But the, the, no, the upside in Scotland, though, um, is uh, the after parties are usually pretty good, you know? The, are they are they called the wakes there too? It's the wake, isn't it? Uh, yeah, wake, sorry. After parties are somewhat disrespectful. <laughs> no, no, it's show. VIP. <laughs> yes, the, you get a wristband. Where's, where's the after show? Um... <laughs> But yeah, they, they they generally turn into a bit of a sort of rammy. And is there always, once you reach my age, they're always interested in the sense that you will see people who you only see once a decade. That when somebody dies, or rarer now, somebody well, my age group probably second marriage. But it's yeah, it's a death or a marriage or or some shit like that. Can you um, give us an example of uh, one of the most raucous after party, funeral after parties you've been to? Uh, my brother's was pretty good. That got pretty messy. That went on quite a while. Um, How long's quite a while? Early hours the next day, oh, okay. sort of thing. So we're not um, talking like a week long. No, no, no. Not a week <laughs> that's long. a shame. That's a shame. But it was a funeral. That's what. I, that's what I want for mine. Yeah. <laughs> you could set aside a fund for that. Say, look, you know, it's a very sad day. However, I have three grand set aside. A load of pills here. Exactly. Of that's exactly. what I don't want. Is get, get stuck in. <laughs> exactly. And I'm. It's very unlikely I'm going to get married. So the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to. Not obviously not make any of my friends go on my stag do, but tell them that they have to have then a week long 
funeral party for me at the end instead of a stag do that they're allowed to come. And that you raise an interesting point that I'd kind of rather go to a funeral than a stag do or, or a wedding. <laughs> you know, booing you the, the wedding invite now. How are we getting married in Morocco? Please, you know, yeah, please yeah. fork out please, two and a yeah. half G's to come to my wedding. Yeah, I'm like, are you mental? Yeah. <laughs> or um, indeed the stag night. Yeah, we're going to Reykjavik. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I went wait. to Vegas for one stag do that cost um, it cost me about two grand, right? And all the boys were taking so many drugs that within 10 minutes of leaving the hotel rooms they were so afraid <laughs> they were so afraid of being caught with drugs that they wouldn't take them from the hotel rooms so within 10 minutes of leaving the hotel rooms we'd always have to go back to the hotel rooms so you basically spent the time in the hotel room exactly and so we basically <laughs> could have just gone to Norwich yeah. yeah we could have been anywhere honestly and I don't I don't partake in coke which is what they're all doing so man that must I was have just, been boring I, for I you basically, oh. I basically watched a madman a madman marathon on AMC for most of that weekend in Vegas and did, did an 8 hour 10 hour flight each 10 hour way flight each it. way I mean obviously there were some funny stories that I was kind of party to but but you know what you could have heard them anyway in the pub back home anyway, you were happy yeah. to consume that shit second hand exactly, you know? exactly I went to Vegas once for a wedding and it was it was a fun wedding but I was there for like four days and really I should have only been there for three and I wasn't there with loads of mates there was, there was only a few people at this wedding like family the last day it was fucking boiling hot it was so hot it was unbelievable and everywhere was just full of cunts there was just cunts everywhere I looked and I just thought fuck it I'm just staying in <laughs> you do see some humanity in Vegas don't you it's like we're Americans can I go you know they really think we go there to party and you see them walking around pounding beers at like you know seven or eight o'clock in the morning just walking up down the street and yeah we we drove up there once and it was this family I'm not kidding you know three kids two parents none of them could have weighed less than you know 200 pounds yeah. like 20 yeah. stone standing there with those gigantic big gulp cups yeah. looking at that fake um, Eiffel Tower yeah. I got there and you're like fucking hell the best side of Vegas because I've been a few times because I lived out in LA for a while and the best side is like old town Vegas. I don't yeah. know if you've been there. Like, what was the old strip? And then around there, was, there were some good dive bars. And I had, I'm not sure if I've told this story on here before, but we had a really great night out in one of these dive bars around that side of town. And met, uh, I was with a friend of mine called Chris. And we met a couple of girls and we just had a really great all nighter, like playing pool, drinking loads and loads and loads. And then at the end, we were like, okay, well, do you want to come back to our hotel? And we had a normal <laughs> hotel on the strip. And one of the girls was like, yeah, yeah, I'll drive us. And I, I guess so drunk it didn't even cross my mind that obviously that's a horrific idea. Yeah. That's how so, Tupac got killed. <laughs> so we got, into, we got into her car and I got into the, the passenger seat. The death seat. And we drive up onto the slip road of the freeway. And she just slammed straight into the back of a car that, was, that had stopped to try and get onto the freeway because oh there was one of those flashing God. red lights, I guess. And I was so drunk that I was like, I'll deal with this. Oh, like it wasn't oh, so yeah, it wasn't so hard that we were injured, but it was like a bang. You know? Yeah, I was like, I'll deal with this. I got out, and as I walk around the car, to their driver, a woman gets out and just goes to me, "I've been drinking all night. Can we just say nothing happened?" <laughs> and I was like, "Yes, that, we can." That works for us. Absolutely, <laughs> fucking brilliant. It was, what it what was happens mad. in Vegas stays in Vegas. Yeah, what Indeed. happens on this slip road stays on this slip road. <laughs> but yeah, it was just one of those random nights. And you, do you know those stories where you're like. Did that actually happen? Because it's so random and you were so drunk. But yeah. So John, have you given in your life... So the reason this podcast came about is because I have 
fantasized about my own funeral before. Is it something that you've ever given much thought to before we asked you on this podcast? Well, it obviously crosses your mind. I think it does. However, being a sort of um, 50-something smoker, that's one I try to kind of not fantasize about too much because right. it's not been funny at some point. But no, obviously, um, yeah, we all picture the various scenarios. Who would, um, yeah, it depends how you see it, though, doesn't it? Because there's the you're really old sort of scenario, you know, in which yeah. case there's probably hardly going to be anyone there outside <laughs> your kids and the few old bastards like you have managed to last that long. And that's the dream scenario. And whoever's you know? changing your nappy. <laughs> exactly. But the other scenario is, you know, you go young and you're like, you're hoping for a decent turnout in that case, you know? I think we've all, all three of us have reached a point where, you know, going young would have been like romantic about 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, the, right now it's just basically well, tragic. tragic. <laughs> <laughs> no, it depends. Um, I... I I am um, the only difficult part of this is kind of once you have kids, you know, and you you know you you kind of like, oh that's got to be a, that's got to be a tough that's a tough break for kids unless you see nature's kind of fantastic like that because if you know my mum's nearly eighty now and uh, if your parents live to be old enough they go from the kind of you know when you're a little kid it's like the thought of not having your parents it's just unthinkable mm. and then as you get older you're like that would be painful but I could get and then they live long enough to become a gigantic pain in the fucking arse <laughs> you're actually like you know nature prepares you you're like you know you know, you know what I will be sad and you know I've learned sad me in my childhood but you know you've had a good run and, yeah, you, yeah. and if, if you go around my house unplugging things and turning them off at the wall one more time your fucking funeral's going to arrive sooner than you might have fucking thought it, be, it becomes that kind of thing but, I'm so assuming ha- your mum's not a podcast listener yeah. no not mum I love you but you know um, leave those fucking plugs Jesus what is it about the plug is it uh, just turning them off turning everything yeah, off yeah. at the wall you don't get that the old people that do because, that they, because they think that, they think that it's going to charge them it, if... either charge them or maybe the electricity is just going to turn bad and I've got a mate, a mate whose wife does that and uh, yeah you do get the occasional younger person yeah, who does weird that yeah as fuck I'm like I go to the house I was coming to my house turns on my plug I'm like stop turning my plugs off yeah I mean the she worst does it at your house yeah the worst one is you got you know your phone you stick your phone in the charger yeah. that you assume as it should be is turned and then you're like an hour later my phone's not charged ah Pensioner has turned this off at the wall for safety. <laughs> I'm like, it's fucking drives me. It must swear. be something that was said years ago, like turn them off, it's safer or something. I, I, it must be from the days of rationing. Or it's a money thing, you think, you know. It's like turning the toaster off too. I've got to stick, you know. You know that horrible sensation you go to put the put toaster it down, down and it just won't yeah. respond? Because it's almost like, you know, it's a terrible sensation. You, you don't know, need like, that in your life. I want my toaster This is after, real first right? world problems here, isn't <laughs> well, it? Yeah, you have go. to go <laughs> 10 to 15 inches to turn it on at the wall. People are going to be listening to this. He wants his own mother to die. He turns his toaster off. This is a terrible You mind. are the perfect guest for this podcast, John. Absolutely I saw a toaster perfect. the other day that is clear so you can see the toast browning. And then you, you get it out at the right moment. That sounds expensive. Yeah, I can't afford one. But it's a Tory device, but it's very, very good. <laughs> You, 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 occasionally you wonder would there be a decent fight at my funeral I've seen some good tussles okay. at, at funerals how know? do those fights tend to come about uh, they tend to not get into full fights but you tend to find when you've maybe got a friendship group who kind of know each other since childhood and they're, like we are saying a minute ago only see each other every 10 years or so especially as you get into middle age you've got all those sort of competing personal agendas and rivalries and you know um, resentment uh, resentment yeah. and things you know that kind of and somebody will say something snide to somebody and it'll kind of you know it'll escalate so it probably or, starts know. as like banter yeah and then 
drinks get involved. Get involved, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, then more personal banter. People get a bit aggro about the uh, the will as well, don't they? Oh, wills are great. Yeah, yeah. I've had a couple of great um, will experiences. Yeah. yeah. Um, Go on. All right. Oh, sure. Okay. <laughs> Shouldn't right, have so, said that. Uh, my, so, f- my <laughs> an aunt of mine dies a few years ago, um, and she didn't have any kids. And I said, my mum said, oh, I'm sure whatever she leaves will just be. It was me and my sister and three other cousins. She goes, it'll just be split between us, you and your cousins. And my, you know, my mum had looked. This was her sister mm. who she'd looked after pretty much exclusively for the last year or two of her life. She had Alzheimer's. Yeah. Anyway, no, no, t- no, no. It turns out she had favourites. So it comes in basically. Um, all these cousins and my sister get handy like 25, 30 grand each. Oh, wow. me, me and my mum got a couple of G's. Oh. You know, so I am pissing myself because my mum, I'm, I'm upset for my mum. She should have got cut in. Yeah, probably, right? of course. And, uh, but I don't, you know, I'm fortunate enough that it's not that big a deal. Mm. But I got up to Scotland for the funeral, right? And pick, my sister's going to take the train. And I pick her up at the station. The first thing she says, she gets the, into the car. She goes, I'm, I'm really, I feel so bad about this. Well, so, you know, I went, oh, the, oh, the good news is you don't have to feel bad because, you know, the will is just a legal document of a mad bitter old cow it doesn't prohibit normal human decency so what you do is just take that money and split it equally between me and mum and then you won't feel bad anymore and she goes I'm not gonna, I'm not going to do that <laughs> well then you have to feel bad like, that's the cash morality deal we split that. but anyway we got to the funeral and I I was quite. At this point, I'm kind of into it. I'm kind of enjoying the wind up with the, one of the cousins is there who got the cut, and I kind of went uh, uh, something. About I see how up. these fights start now, John. Well, I said joke. I, I went. Well, if I were you, this is just me. I, I just whatever couple I, I'd been left, I just gave to my mum. I went. Yeah. If you all took a few grand out what you got, yeah. gave it to my mum. My next one, he's, he's drinking a fight. And he just goes, "The will's the will," <laughs> and, and bangs his glass down. Now I, oh. I went through my sort of yeah. The will is just a legal document of a mad, bitter old cow, but. It doesn't prohibit you, yeah. you can do what you want with the money well's the will the sanctity of wills will not be broken <laughs> yeah, but, but, by me exactly you know the, the will is defined by god no, no man on earth shall you know undo you know it's, it's like, oh, that's amazing i've not been left the only thing i've been left my nana my nana died my dad's mum and um she said left in her will that she wanted to give me and my brother each a signet ring now signet rings you know, no judgment, but are the last things that either me or my brother would ever what? wear. We've never worn any jewellery yeah. or anything. You strike me as a signet ring wearer. <laughs> never been a signet. Other than a, other than a, uh, <laughs> definitely an early nineties. Other than a teenage wearer. thumb ring mistake, uh, no jewellery has ever crossed my. That was just a sex being. thing. That was just a sex thing, exactly. So my dad kind of took it on himself. This is possibly the only ever example of my dad showing some knowledge about his two children. Actually, he took us to breakfast in Soho one day and was just like, now. Your grandmother wanted to leave you both a signet ring, but I knew that wouldn't be right. So here, and then you just gave us both five hundred quid, and that and that was it. Much more appreciated, which which was much more appreciated. And also, but I also wonder whether actually that was a lot less than maybe the signet rings might have. But cost, actually, I don't know. This, this leads us on to an interesting thing that I hadn't thought of before at the funeral. You, what might add some spice to the whole fucking palaver is rather than you know, the reading of the will like in Hollywood movies there's always in a sort of lawyer's room with about the five immediate family do the reading of the will at, at the, the funeral, funeral when there's maybe you know a couple hundred people there and you know and, and go crazy with the will you know really leave unexpected shit to people who don't you know deserve it and you, yeah. know, you know and it's under like bargain hunt at the, uh, at the, at the auction <laughs> and, and the people are under the jeopardy pressure of knowing that everybody in the congregation is desperate to leave so decisions have to be made really quickly as or, well or indeed take it further and do a quiz 
with cash prizes. Oh my god! So good. You can do that yours if you want. (laughs) So good. Cash prizes. Yeah, the whole estate has to go today. It's been carved up. Fingers, fingers under. You'll find there's a buzzer (laughs) in the pew in front of you. Yeah, under your thing is a a keypad, (laughs) like millionaire. Fucking great. That would be the greatest funeral ever. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm up for that. That should definitely it's be a, a TV is Chris, show. Is it Chris Morris's funeral in the IT crowd when he's left the video? Oh, I've vi- not seen, the, the I've vi- not seen he's that. Really. He's left a tape video message for his kind of employees in the company, which they play at the funeral. Right. Right. And then there's the bit where it's just for his sons. He goes, yeah, turn this off now and play it privately because I just, you know, it's just for you. And uh, so I was like, no, no, we can we can play it here. And they exactly right, the pension funds. It's some really dark <laughs> shit. He's got it suddenly. Turn that off. <laughs> I've never been left anything in a will, but I um, before my I had this mate called Carolyn. Carolyn, who was she was really old. She was she died when she was ninety one, and before the last time I saw her, she gave me a Ouija board, and she was like, right, when I'm gone. She said, I'm going to have a chat with you on here. And I was like, oh, all right, nice one. <laughs> She's a funny cunt. I've been on it a couple of times and I've been like on it and got home at like three in the morning. You know, and I've been like, I'm having a chat with Carolyn. You know? <laughs> and I get on it like, you there? Are you there? Like, She's never fucking there. I, maybe you've not been drunk enough. So She's busy know. with Diana and Prince on. Philip. <laughs> some, some acid and then she'll appear. No, you say that. I've never, other than that two grand skanking from my aunt, I've never been left anything. Skanking. I've never been I felt fine about it, but I've, it's fucking skanking. I've never been left anything away because my dad died. My mum was much younger than my dad, so everything just went to my mum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although there was actually recently, he'd left in his will some shares and the company he worked for. Not a huge amount. Uh, and I hadn't thought I guess a technical would go to me and my sister down the line but my mum kind of has all the document stuff anyway my mum just a few weeks ago rings me up and goes oh son I've had somebody on the phone looking to buy these shares um, you know from New York I'm like oh yeah Um, (laughs) sounded immediately dodgy and I'm like yeah next time we call just give him my number (laughs) the guy poor guy sort of (laughs) Indian guy clearly in some mad boiler room type chop shop in New York yes we have a client who I'm organising a hostile takeover this company we're looking to acquire small share blocks so they've tracked you down through the public register Mm -hmm. and he says you know I'd looked at the shares, they're trading at this, it's like some property company, it's obviously been hammered by the pandemic, they're trading at like six bucks a share or something. Yeah, yeah. He goes, I, I, we, we might be able to offer you 15 to $18 a share. And I'm like, really? Can I ask why you're paying triple the, the market value? Well, as I say, we're, we're, we'll have to get you to send a confidentiality agreement because we're organising this hostile takeover. It's like, so you're organising a secret hostile takeover, you're cold calling madmen <laughs> like me who, to tell them about it, but that should all be good. And the guy just applies, and then he just goes through. He's got, he's obviously got a script. He just starts going through the script again. And I went, does this work on anyone? Does anyone do this? Just goes back and starts to scream. I hang up on him. And then I googled it, and yeah, it's a scam going on in America right now. They basically get you to put your shares in escrow and they put the money in escrow and then surprise surprise you can't get you know so oh, and they just target just, old people don't they the fuckers yeah yeah so I rang my mum back and went yeah I said yeah the boat hasn't you know, we're not getting triple market value for those shares oh. so bleak isn't it <laughs> that Horrible. was a, yeah made up for the anti-skanking if we'd sort of filled our boots there yeah so I'm assuming we're for your funeral it's not going to be a religious one then because you're not a religious person but do you see it in a church or do you see it no I could giving it any know. thought I'd like to do it in the garden here. Yeah, squirrels. Did that. Didn't, yeah, I'd just dig a hole and 
a shroud sort of thing. Can you, can you be buried in your own garden? I think you can if you're in the house, yeah. People do do it. I mean, yeah. probably some permission you have to get council. Mm. It's just that, you what know... if a fox dug you up or something? Well, it's not with a lot of foxes here, actually, too. But it used to be more that, you know, a house would be in a family for generations, but kids would probably fucking sell it the minute you're dead. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, some poor bugger's got to move in. He's like, your corpse is like your Trevor Jordash style. Lying, <laughs> lying under the patio. Buying um, Cromwell Street. But... <laughs> <laughs> in the walls they locked that down didn't they it's gone yeah, yeah it's a, a shame really I wanted, they should have kept it as a museum yeah it's a museum <laughs> I think they do tend to knock those places down yeah. don't yeah. I don't know if you've read the Gordon Bond book Happy Like Murderers I've read that very, uh, the oh. most the single most disturbing detail that is like Fred and Rose had a massive wrought iron sign made for above the bed that just said cunt <laughs> Just the word cunt out of raw iron above their marital bed. Imagine Fred making that work and his workmates are going, what are you doing there, Fred? And he's like, oh, fuck off. So for above the bed. Yeah. That was not in any of the documentaries I've watched on the it's, Fred and Rose. It's, 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 it's a detail that you read that bit and I'm like, I wish I hadn't read it. I just can't, you know. I Kids come in the sack. Can we watch cartoons in your bed this morning, Mum and Dad? Yeah, yeah, come on in. Cunt. Oh my God. I'd love that, though, like in the garage. Just in the back of the garage, I've got Fred and Rose's cunt sack. Raw iron cunt You wonder who got got that at Sotheby's when the shit went to Christie's. Probably available. Lot, someone's got that, haven't lot they? Lot 452. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've got bidders on the phone. It's <laughs> <laughs> me and John. <laughs> John facing, using his aunt's £2,000. Facing salmon. <laughs> yeah. Didn't cover it, bitch. Oh, my God. Got my sister to come in with me. Cover it. <laughs> I've... I've I count myself as knowledgeable on things like that because I love to watch a documentary about all those serial killers and stuff. But I don't know if you're in this cycle that I'm in now where you sort of watch something you know, so because of lockdown, I guess. You watch a documentary and it'll read you to rereading the book or reading the book about the related topic, you know? Mm. So I went with a Ripper thing on last year and I wound up rereading because Gordon Burns such a brilliant writer anyway. I reread somebody's husband, somebody's son, his Peter Sutcliffe book. Yeah. And it made me think, mm, shall, I read, shall I read the Fred West one again? Thought, you know what? Once is enough for you know, There's like, another good one about Fred West called um, uh, I forgot the guy. it's the guy who did a podcast about it recently because he was the he was the guy who coined the term the, the House of Horrors the reporter and right. stuff like that and he wrote a book I think it's called Howard something Howard Sims? yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's from a different angle it's a bit it's not as, as sort of brutal and... It's a cheerful take. A yeah. cheerful romp down the parody. <laughs> you know, great builder. Lovely, <laughs> lovely, lovely affable neighbour. You know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, lovely family. So sorry, strayed once again from the topic of my yeah, funeral. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's all, no, it's all good. Red's funeral was rubbish, by the way. Well, your funeral, your funeral is in your garden, we know this. Uh, with I'm, I'm thinking that we're imagining that you make it to the long innings. Oh God, I'd like to. Uh, let's imagine that. Yeah, let's indulge that. Fantasy. Long innings, and uh, how got, many books do you reckon you've got left in? Oh Jesus, Sam, that's a dark question. I know. Sorry. Well, most novelists cut out. Most novelists head drastically south in the sort of sixties, don't they? That tend, that seems to be when the talent burns out. But these are guys who probably start in the sort of twenties. I think start to my thirties. So I'm thinking maybe I'll. Yeah. Push the envelope. Didn't you know? Hemingway shoot himself when Hemingway he couldn't said, write anymore? Yeah, he was 60, yeah. I think there are other issues going on. 
Yeah. Um, there, was, there, was, there was alcoholism, there was health issues and stuff, but that was a fact, apparently. He crashed himself in a plane about three times, hadn't he? Yeah, he and he'd been, you know, he had a go at some bulls and shit, and, you know, giant sharks trying to land. And he, yeah, he was held together with pins, I think, and shit. Yeah. But, you know, I'm at an age now where I'm sick, and I, remember, you know, I knew that when I was young and sort of starting out, and I thought, yeah, that's a way down the line when I'm facing those problems. Now it's a bit closer, I'm like, yeah, 60 not that unthinkable now. Mm-hmm. Are there still are there still like goals you want to achieve when it comes to how your books perform or what you want to write about or things like I that? I, I, one of those questions, how they perform, I've got very little influence over. I think beyond writing as good a book as you can, yeah. you can't really control no. that stuff. Um, and what you want to write about, yeah, yeah again, that's kind of with you, you're sort of lumbered with the kind of interests and perceptions you have. You know, often wish that my interests and perceptions were nine-year-old wizard kids or whatever <laughs> might say on right. But sadly, they're kind of, as my German editor once She's, said to She me, stole <laughs> the wizard kids' idea, though, right? <laughs> my German editor, when he read the manuscript, from which book was it? I think Sunshine Cruise Company, where one of the, the, the plot kickers, the death of this woman's husband, who dies in agony, impaled in this giant dildo in a sort of sex dungeon. And my German editor really rang me up and go, Ah, oh, John. Always with the ass. This was always sort of heartfelt story, to, which has become. I told my daughter about this. It's become a sort of family catchphrase. Always, after, always with the ass, John. So I thought I kind of wish you sometimes the perceptions and the slant you have and things weren't. I, I, wasn't I think that it. answers the question: What do you want on your gravestone? <laughs> <laughs> always with that, the ass. Is that where we're heading towards? <laughs> we always, always ask that, but I think that's got to be it. Surely, it has to ass be. forever. <laughs> <laughs> always with the ass. But no, I, you know, um, I've always been lucky, kind of, in that I've always known what the next book's going to be. Are you writing at the moment? I am. Well, this one's difficult because it's the first piece of non-fiction I've written. I'm writing a memoir. Mm. It's kind of about me, but about me and my brother. Okay. He was like he, two years younger than me, and he, he, my brother wound up becoming a drug dealer, and then went to prison, and then he killed himself when he was forty-two, which right. is about God, it's old, ten, eleven years ago now. Um, but it's just that story of kind of how I mean, in some ways it's biblical the story of two brothers, but the black the black sheep. Yeah, and it's yeah. just kind of looking back over it and thinking, you know, because we were raised by the same parents, with kind of the same values in the same house, and we went kind of mm. such drastically different roads. At the end, it's just kind of trying to unpick a lot of that and like, why did you know? Yeah. And once once you dive into, it, you do see bits and moments from childhood how he became what he became he was a difficult guy in, in some ways it's a lot of fun too sometimes was he but younger than you he was two years younger yeah right. um, but it's um, I, I'm finding the process of writing non-fiction just incredibly difficult you know because I've not done it before I a novel I just love it cause just, well, your writing's yeah. very very funny as well and like you know your brother committing suicide is not funny well so, but you know. yeah, yeah, and yet <laughs> <laughs> no but yeah, that's the thing because the book's quite long there is, is at the moment and that, that you got you can't just be remorselessly you know it's it's kind of fun too yeah, and there's, there's kind of fun stuff along the way for both of us um, but it's kind of I just find being married to, so relentlessly to facts you know mm. it's the research you know because we're out of each other's lives at points it's kind of finding out you know and when you get to my reconstructing your own life accurately is no picnic either mm. so it's just kind of trying to do all that research and 
I, I, I'd, I'd rather have written three novels or five scripts than kind of do this. When's your uh, your take on the Fred and Rose scenario coming? <laughs> <laughs> sounds like an easier. Sounds like an easier. Uh, Might be more fun than, than this. Well, one of the things I quite like seeing with the kids is like you know Fred's line was um, when his children went to bed at night. He'd say, "When you go to bed at night, my life begins." Uh, quite enjoy, oh, quite enjoy leaving that one the kids, but they don't know they, they don't know they don't know what the reference point is. Obviously, and it's not the only one you can explain to sort of twelve year olds. That's the last thing you say to them before they go to sleep. Um, we're coming towards the end of our time, but we just want to ask a couple of questions that we uh, we like to ask. John, how would you like to be remembered by, by a fifty foot statue in Hyde Fucking Park? Yeah. My, my friend the DJ John Carter answered that in an interview about twenty years ago. Like, and most people say, "Yeah, you a nice guy, yeah. did his best." Like, fuck that, a giant start you hate part like Nelson's column yeah I think if you're going to have the brass balls to think history will remember you at all let's go big yeah, yeah. Albert Memorial sort of type shit yeah absolutely Wonderful. right very good decision very good decision and just before we finish then we met we, we touched on the wake of your brother earlier on uh, would you do anything uh, different like we also talked about how I'd like one that's a week long you're going to split the difference what, what do you, what's the important thing about that after party of yours uh, I just uh, well, I think you know um uh, free bar, no, no, no drinks yeah. minimum. Yeah. Yeah. You but, said three grand you'd leave behind it before. You've got... No, that was just for drugs. Just, yeah. just I, I for the drugs. Bar tab, you know, for, you, you got to figure you saw the credit card that was going, wouldn't you? After you died, just you know, what, what they going to? What does space? happen to the credit? Card? If you don't tell I them you've died I, I, for a few months, surely I, I, you just... yeah, I guess yeah, you get run it up at the funeral. And but then does your died, estate, you know. whoever's in charge of your estate, have to pay for I that? I guess they would. Yeah. I might write a detailed speech about how various people in the congregation have let me down over the years and have it read out by. A family member. Definitely. Yeah. Make it down that route. List of cunts. Kind of like Festivus kind of thing, you know? <laughs> the airing of the grievances. I always think of spiteful things like that I'd like to do. Maybe the, maybe at my funeral is the time where I can do it without feeling any guilt. That's probably a perfect way of doing it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you're, 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 very, uh, you're always very kind to your friends and family and I think you keep your mouth shut sometimes when you shouldn't. Yeah. So yeah, maybe you should just my, let it all out. My only other thought was in terms of the soundtrack, like, like really punishing people by forcing them through an absolute kind of Torag populist playlist. Just find out what every utter douchebag half-wit in Britain <laughs> has played at the funeral. Probably Angels number one. Yes, it is number one. Uh, yeah, yeah I, know, I, I heard R.E.M. Everybody Hurts. I'm like, eh, Bloody that, hell. eh that's pretty, you know, that it's a bit on the nose, it's right? It's on the nose, yeah. It's on the nose. And, oh, maybe it was a suicide funeral job. Maybe that was specific... But anyway, it's pretty on the road. And also pretty fucking pompous. Maybe, maybe people aren't hurting. Like, good, glad to see the back of you. You yeah. fucking nasty. Fucking. So you so you would purposely make the congregation sit through terrible uh, yeah, shit like people, that. Yeah, because people people probably spend loads of time thinking what we do. Oh, you know, Jackson Brown's late from the late for the sky. Maybe quite nice. No, fuck you. Here's angels. Here's Robbie Williams, <laughs> and, and it's getting worse from there. You know, there's a lot of clip of some Scottish funeral that did the rounds on the internet a few years ago. Where it's like obviously somebody quite young has died, and they're all shell suited up to the max. Oh, so yeah. And they start banging at this mad fucking happy hardcore track, <laughs> yeah. like by the grave. Like, yeah, maybe I'll go that route. You know, That's... crank out the crank out the crazy happy hardcore. Make people laugh. That's right. Make people laugh around the grave. Make them make them miss you. Oh, I quite yeah. like dead. If we're going the kind of comedy, I quite like dead Kennedy's too drunk to fuck. That'd be quite yeah, a right. good number to to go out with. Balance with something more somber as well. You know? Yeah, angels. 
<laughs> like a happy hardcore version of Angels. It was always <laughs> such a thing probably exists. Of course it does. If it doesn't, if it doesn't <laughs> Sam will have made it exist in the next twenty four hours. Uh, John, thank you so much for coming to the show. Is there anything you'd like to plug? Do you want to tell the audience about the book, your books? What should they be reading? When's your next one coming out? Hey, I got my current the paperback of my current novel, The Fuck It List, is currently available um, for all good retailers and a movie I've written uh, called uh, The Trip starring Numi Rapace is coming on Netflix in September oh nice fantastic guys make sure you check that out uh, please do also follow us on Instagram at pod it's your funeral uh, subscribe to us drop us a comment and a rating in Apple Podcast if that's where you're listening to us and if you want to send us any of your funeral stories uh, the email address is pod it's your funeral at gmail.com thanks so much for having us to your garden John and no, you'll be hearing from us very soon goodbye Bye. cheers guys Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.